0: Flood Media acknowledges the Yagara and Turrbal people upon whose land we live. Dispossession of common land is crucial to capitalism and we share material interests with indigenous movements for justice and for self-determination. Twice, twice. It is disingenuous. Wars, wars. respected disingenuous. The situation now is even worse.
1: Flood is it not above the poverty line. I, I can go first if you want. Uh, my name is Max Hello I haven't been on this in in, in Well, has there been a podcast since the Windcast?
2: No this No, is this
0: is our first cast in a little while
2: Yeah, yeah. How long? Well, since Some months Yeah, we, when did we do the Windcast? Like end of May So it's now end of October <laughs> You know, it's a solid five months
1: <laughs> Yeah, well the thing is Time is happening very fast Yeah It is Time definitely feels like it's moving very quickly actually
2: Yeah, I mean To me it feels like the election, the federal election was last year, easily.
1: Oh, man, that's... um, But it was. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, it was three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> We're up for another federal election very soon. Oh, God, no. no.
2: Um, anyway. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm Declan. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm Joe. Thanks for listening to us again, still keeping the faith. Those um, loyal
1: listeners. Yeah. I was thinking about when we, like... Because when did we do our first one? Like, I still remember meeting in the backyard at um, Hewitt Street.
2: Yeah, yeah, so I think that was 2017.
1: That's amazing. I saw yeah. a photo from that the other day, and there was like this big group of. It was a like huge. It would have been like 15 people in the backyard. And I remember us wanting to basically build an entire media organization, mm. <laughs> very which ambitious. Is, <laughs> which I will <laughs> say in retrospect, <laughs> while we were also trying to build, like, build an entire, like, political organization. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Build, well, you know, like help build one up. It, um, we I loved how, uh, especially around that time. Our um our ambition was always incredibly extreme. Like
2: if- We were like, Yeah, two podcasts a week. It won't be that hard. <laughs> but
1: then, no, we were like a website, like a online news platform, yeah. like um video vlogs, like embedding in social movements and recording them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just
2: yeah. Look, I think we've done pretty well to keep the podcast going for like a full five years now with what like forty se- no, fifty something episodes. <laughs> Yeah, we're that's like 10 episodes a year. That's not bad.
1: That's pretty good. That's like a monthly magazine. Magazine. I am mm. appreciative. You know who I'm appreciative of? Our patrons. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Especially yeah. the patrons who stuck yeah. with us the whole time. <laughs> the, the most unbelievably loyal people in the world. <laughs> this is
2: a special shout out for you. One day we'll do an episode just for you.
1: Yeah, but a secret uh, patron episode.
2: Yeah, today's not th- that I
1: could give some insider political goss.
2: Mm. Well, <laughs> we wanted to start off by actually asking you about that. Um, what kind of malevolent secrets have you learned by being in the belly of the beast in Canberra?
1: Down in Parliament House. Yeah, I mean the um it was definitely weird going down there for the first week. Like you especially sitting in Parliament for the first time was definitely very odd. Like you know, because the A, you know, there's the very banal stuff that like there's all these people that you've watched play out in TV. But then starting to get, you know, like watching the building run was very I thought it was very um, interesting uh, like even basic stuff like in that first week I think I mentioned in my first speech but like literally we were walking along to some meeting and I could hear like Albanese's voice off in the distance and I was like is that Anthony Albanese? and like we w- there's like this huge group of like people dressed in suits standing in this big crowd and it's like these um, it's like all these like big banners that just say BCA on them and like Am- Albanese is standing up there talking and he sort of clocks us because it's just like all the Greens MPs walking along, and he definitely looks a bit awkward. And it's like, why is he looking a bit awkward? And it was like him just addressing the Business Council of Australia, like in this like private part of Parliament that usually you can only get if you're an MP or a staffer or like someone who's got a pass, which I thought was just like because um, we always talk about the fact that you know like state capture and things like that, and there was this this very like natural organic. Thing happening where clearly then all of these like people in business council were then going to go and talk to like you know the prime minister, hang out with the prime minister and have cups of tea and snacks with him while talking to him. And it was like it what was kind, what kind of
2: snacks were they having? Do
1: you see? I don't know. The snacks look pretty not amazing.
2: <laughs> like I feel like the ruling low, class low quality snacks.
1: You know, maybe there where well, they have the really nice snacks. You know, is in the more private mm-hmm. parties it's in,
2: the, in the tunnels underneath Parliament House. <laughs> yeah.
1: The um, what in terms of, I don't think I've got a full. Like, you don't get a, like, in terms of the way power operates, um, like, you get the sense that obviously, you're still, like, A, like, obviously a lot of, like, it's interesting to me, actually, that you think about the running of the country and, um, you know, a lot, like, it's clearly not a lot of it happens in that building. Like, you know, a lot of it's farmed out to government institutions and like and like institutes and like government corporations and like ministerial offices and their departments. And there is a degree of ceremony that happens in Parliament that, you know, like obviously is an ideological function to like give the veneer that where, you know, you're some there's somehow this like big democratic institution that's functioning and running the country, but so much of it is like a lot of the speeches that politicians get up and give don't really mean, you know, like often there's like five or six people listening to them. Like um and the machinations and power, like really, I remember sitting there and like watching all the Labour and Liberal MPs take their seats. And it's like they are they are symbols and representations of power. But that this is not that's not necessarily where where power operates. And it struck me that um, you know, it's sort of a funny point, but like um the more Like, the more the Labor and Liberal Party and the power that they have in Parliament, the more they'll immediately outsource it to other institutions. And the fear, I think, partly of, for instance, um, say, the Greens building their presence or somehow getting into a big block in the balance of power in Parliament, is it would disrupt a lot of those power structures because so much of it is about rubber stamping and, like, greasing the wheels for the operations of government. Um, And so you do get the sense... Yeah, walking around there, like, it's... um, a the other thing, maybe to finish on, is that it's um, it's a deeply alienating place. Like you are, it, it, it feels no coincidence, like by design or not, that you know you're sit in this very remote sort of regional town, basically, um, in this building where only with other politicians and staffers. That having come from doing just like on the ground organizing for years now. Um, it is um, sudden and abrupt how quickly, clearly it envelops people and sort of takes them into this political and media class logic that, you know, is talked about at the lunchrooms, is reproduced, like, you know, in meetings and, like, conversations in the halls, and all of a sudden there's this sort of logic about the way politics and the media works that if you were door knocking or, like, at a community meeting or we're just chatting here, you would think it was completely dumb or stupid. But, um, yeah, it's... um it's one time when i'm less busy taking the time to think about all of that more would be useful but um yeah i suppose it's good we're there instead of other people <laughs> i remember when
0: um i went to see amy get sworn in this really palpable sense that amy had so much more social legitimacy to be there and that like everyone knew it as well just because of how much like how many people were really there to, like to support amy who weren't friends or family or, like, something like that, and the the sheer amount of conversations that I knew had happened to get Amy there. Do do you feel that sense of, like, like, this disparate kind of, like, social basis that that get get you there and, like, the legitimacy to actually, like, be in Parliament or...?
1: Big time. It's, um, the... You... Like, there'll be times down there where I feel very demoralised or, like... Frankly, you know, a little... Basically, like, a little bit depressed, really. Like, because... Like if pol- I don't like. Certainly, I would wonder how you can be down there and not think that you're part. If you don't feel like you're a part of a broader movement, like broader, like people-powered movement that is like wields real social power and big organisation, I don't know how you could be down there. Like because if you de- if you're down there and you genuinely think you're down there out of the sheer force of your own intellects and brilliance, like I think that would drive you mad. And maybe that just does drive people mad. But yes, any time I feel like that, remembering that like I'm just there as a representative of that movement and that that movement has real power gives you a lot of strength like a lot of heart like you're sitting there and you're like watching people stand up in parliament say the most heinous shit or just do the dumb vote for the dumbest shit and you're thinking they'll be like well you sit there but then like if we were able to like we're not far away from being able to organize like a movement the size we organized in Griffith in your seat and you won't be there after the next election, like because you know our movement's stronger and more powerful. Name and names. Can, what was that? Drop names. <laughs> <laughs> but but that definitely, yeah, that definitely, definitely, I would say it's the only thing that keeps keeps me sane down there. Yeah, it seems like a
0: like a snake pit. It seems the is <laughs> a bad city, in, like on its own terms.
1: Yes. Yeah, that S- and I. Sorry
2: think, to all Canberra listeners. No,
1: Canberra. I don't mind Canberra as a city in general. I certainly don't yeah. like. I think I had I. The first um, time a journalist asked me, like I was down there and there was some press conference and I think I offended a bunch of journalists and I was like... Look, I don't really like this place, and they thought I meant Canberra, but I meant.
2: Uh, D- didn't I you meant- say something like it's too far away from Queensland? <laughs> and there was something in the Guardian being like, "Huh? Well, I guess like the nation, the founders of Canberra should have considered Queensland." It's like, yeah, exactly right. They should have. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, correct. <laughs> um, but no, it is I'd like very conscious of being down there as a result of a lot of people's very hard work and this bigger political movement, and it's very heartening. Like you get to walk around with your sho- your shoulders held a little bit higher because you're like, well you know i'm like the social weight that got me there is is greater probably than anyone else's campaign um uh and like movement so from the major parties at
2: least and what's because like when obviously last time we did our cast was right after the election and i think like the big media story at the time was like the teals what's going on with the teals Five check on the teals
1: oh look i mean i their politics are very varied Mm. like
2: because they're they sort of dropped out of the media now. You hardly care about them anymore.
1: Well, I think you know, there's this situation where they didn't get into the balance of power in the lower house, and their influence is actually, I would say, probably very, li- very l- limited. And there's also, you know, and so I don't. I think like them not being a political party is, I think, like. Going to affect them long, like is going to severely limit them long term because they just aren't capable of like wielding a coherent politics or describing it or appealing to people on the basis of politics or wielding any sort of formal organisation or anything like that. And I think they're probably they are starting to strain at that. I mean, it's hard because their politics are very varied. Like, there's some Teals down there who are very like, like whose politics are basically the Liberal Party but action on climate change. Um, you know which like piping strike, i saw it like that like that twitter account online it was like when all the tweels were getting up giving their um getting sworn in and he was like it's rare that a political party gets to watch its own funeral in reference to the <laughs> liberal liberal party mps just sitting there being like oh shit like this is what sort of like the a successful liberal politics would have looked like yeah absolutely
0: it's yeah i've heard like some labor or maybe even liberal kind of like commentators say that they like they functionally are a party or that they're beginning that process of forming a party does that seem right to you or not really
1: they certainly have regular meet like there's the regular crossbench meetings like you know
2: teal meetings or crossbench
1: draw general crossbench but i think (laughs) largely made up of the of the teal so yeah i mean they're starting to meet regularly and like i think you know some of the uh, like i think they, they they grapple i think with trying to do some of the things of a party without doing it i mean sort of climate 200 obviously was like a funding mechanism For a lot of them and people like, um, what's his name? Uh, Holmes Accord. Holmes Accord. And I mean, so they have like, yeah, they have a financial and organisational base. And uh, as I understand it, Cathy McGowan, that old indie, independent, um, uh, like is seen as the grandmother of that movement like provides a lot of the organizational mm. and logistical support or like advice on how a lot of them ran their campaigns and so yeah there's a lot of the sort of pillars there of a party mm. I think one of the interesting things will be to see if they do or like form into a party at some point although I suppose that may risk some of their appeal and some of their electorates as well hmm um but yeah no other than that you know it's um the broader the the really good stuff at the moment is doing all of the on-the-ground organising out of the electoral office, like all of the town hall meetings and, like, you know, free food programmes were starting to k- kick into gear and, you know, doing all that stuff on housing, which is, yeah, definitely the more enjoyable part.
0: Um, I, Yeah, I was thinking, like, one of the things that isolates people, like, isolates MPs from, like, the world most is that the people they end up meeting in their electorates are all people who are, like, in community groups who are engaged. Because they don't do yes. an awkward thing anymore. <laughs> so are you noticing like the the like more organised kind of constituencies more than when you were campaigning?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. Although we've made a big effort, like we're obviously experimenting at the moment with trying to continue to reach people who otherwise feel disengaged from politics. So I think tempering that a little bit. But definitely, yeah, there's like very much people who like regular you know, part of like community groups that are constantly ask, asking for things and, you know, keeping in touch with them is good. But yeah, definitely there's that layer of people who you reach when you're knock who are just like so isolated and alienated from politics. And often they have a really good, like they have a very real and like large based, like quite probably quite popular perspective on politics in the world. Um, it's interesting. We've been running these town halls, like we were trying to run eight across the electorate and definitely a layer of people coming to those remind me of those, more like alienated or anti-political, door conversations, and I suppose they're just but, coming.
2: Yeah, but they've like come from their house to the town hall. It seems like a huge move for an anti-pol person.
1: Yeah, I know. It's um, this um woman got up at one of the town halls and was like, "Look, I never voted Greens. Um, I don't even know. I like, I'm sort of surprised I'm here, but I just I saw your flyer and mentioned housing. I just I needed to come." And she was like, "Single mom. Her grandmother lived with her." and who had been on like, or her mother had lived with her, sorry, and been on the wait list for social housing for like 10 years. And she was just really angry. Cause she was like, I'm being evicted for my rental. Like I would appeal to the landlord. They're just kicking us out. We haven't done anything wrong. They just want to like, I think they just wanted to put the rent up. Um, and uh, we've had like several instances where people have done that. And each time they have like, I don't vote greens, you know, sort of clearly a bit surprised themselves that they're there. Um, which says to me that we've managed to, like, the win in itself has probably (coughs) clearly, like, cracked open this new social class of people who we knew we could organise, who is clearly... Some of them are starting to come along and be like, what is this thing? And, like, that's interesting. They are saying things. Like, I'm pay attention for the first time and see us saying stuff that might appeal to them or their interests.
0: I mean, I think there's, like, a whole new kind of social class starting to, like... Starting to really experience material scarcity for the first—not for the first time—but like a, a much broader section of society is starting to, you know, feel like lettuces are getting too expensive and the rents are going up or
1: massively. Yeah, it's um the like um yeah. I mean, certainly when you look at the a the social group of people who like the that's like your latest ABS stats have all those new people becoming like in thirties and forties and fifties and sixties who are renters and then like some of the biggest more like the massive. Mortgage stress going on at the moment and, like, if you look at all those social survey data, there's a whole new layer, layer of people saying cost of living is a genuine and serious issue for me. Um, yeah.
2: Well, it's interesting. Like, we – I feel like because we door so much, we sort of knew this was coming. Like, we've been talking about a housing crisis for much longer than the media has been.
1: So, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's, Not that uh, that
2: brings me any satisfaction to say I told you so, but – Oh,
0: it brings me satisfaction to
2: say <laughs> it, <I'll laughs> say. We will say it.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was a moment during the campaign where we were like looking at all the debrief notes and it um, must have been like six months before the election. And we were like, I remember being like, we need a housing flyer. Mm. Like, we need to start. Rel-. And that, I reckon that was way before it really started to, bite. Yeah. where in particular rents, like just talking to anyone who was a renter and then being like, yeah, my rent's going up. And then being like, oh, what do you think about controlling rents? And, like, otherwise the conversation could have been completely dead. And they're like, oh, actually, that's a great idea.
2: Well, if you think even now about, like, the conversation on a rent freeze, um, like, how that would have gone even a year ago. I mean, it's, like, it's, I feel like it's completely shifted in terms of, you know, the Overton window Um has yeah it's been a major shift.
1: Speaking of renters I know Declan you were wanting to talk like reflecting a bit on like where our movements come from.
0: Yeah I mean I think it's quite interesting I think it's like probably an important strategic conversation to have to like identify what kind of made the Queensland Greens or the South Brisbane Greens kind of appear and develop coherent politics that obviously has legs um, and then kind of identify where it has to go from that point next because mm. look I, I definitely think that we're a renters party I think like where, where we've done well the broadly the percentage of the electorate that vote that votes for the Greens is close to the percentage of the electorate that rents um it's like it's a relatively good shorthand sure so that's what that's that's what I think
1: yeah oh, usually though it's like more like since in South Brisbane I think is like over 50% renters and our primary votes like is it like 36 yeah we'll get to 50% 30%. soon <laughs>
2: <laughs> watch <But>, this space <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's true, Declan. I mean, I think there's certainly, like, um, yeah, there's the certainly, the it was interesting as well because, like, the layer of organisers that emerged around that 2015 and 2016, yeah, were all basically poor, like, money poor, asset poor, um, like, but highly educated, um, like, quite highly, like, relatively to the rest of the pop- like, on average. well, cultural well, like capital. Well, yeah. like,
0: I think, like, most people would have... A lot of people would have degrees.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, a lot of people would have... At least have, a university degree. Yeah. I yeah. mean, well, I don't, which I'm pretty proud of. But, yeah. um,
2: <laughs> I feel like you're holding out kind of on purpose at this point. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Out yeah. kind of pride. Think, yeah. Well, maybe I'm organic, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I would say, like, definitely a lot uh, of
2: people... I'm organic. <laughs> it's an organic intellectual idea. I've never heard that
0: as a point of political pride
2: before. <laughs> but I suppose if you
0: meet it in,
1: like, a certain sense.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, but like most people's parents would have degrees as yeah. well i would assume like a, a, like a a significant percentage anyway
1: but at the time in 2016 also relatively rich in time like we all had part time jobs or like mm. whatever but um you know and yeah you're right like it was cert- it's interesting that that was that layer that we organized around like and it certainly and then that sort of sense of yeah that certain type of politics i suppose that like i you know it was you know like underst- had a certain analysis. Like an analysis of anti-politics and this own ex, own sense of powerlessness that we like tried to understand why broadly people felt and were and disengaged from it, um, and that was certainly the organising base for a long time. Like the, a lot of the energy came from that group. But
2: definitely. that's and that's sort of indicative of like where the conditions of this of society are headed. Like the fact that most of us are middle class by birth and you know grew up in middle class households, but we can expect and do expect and have much less secure lives than our parents like I don't know I remember talking to um a labor volunteer on pre-poll in the council election in 2020 and um she was fully convinced that I was like rich like wealthy and I was like no I I probably won't ever own a house and I like I'm a renter I don't ever see that changing because I don't have a secure job um and she was like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. All you greens are wealthy. And you know, she was like 10, 15 years older than me, like public servant, owned a house in West End, like fully, like, you know, she had a, in a much better position than me. Um, but yeah, she couldn't wrap her head around the fact that even though I was university educated from a university educated family that like my life wasn't going the same way as hers. Um, but it's just yeah, I think it's, it's a generational thing as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was... I think, like, the broader coalition of people that made up our voter base also included, like... You know, there was definitely that big layer of, like, who without an asset who... Our focus on, like, taxing big corporations to expand, like, whether it be dental into Medicare at a federal level or at a state level talking about free public transport or, like, you know, um, free childcare or whatever it may be. Like, it's interesting to me that that obviously... Appeal to renters, even in those higher age demographics, because without a housing asset and on an insecure income, having a more expansive welfare state um, like provides uh, appeals that direct sense of like financial security you can have without having to rely on a regular income or an asset, Um, which I haven't really thought about in those exact terms until now. That you know, like um, we talked about housing, we definitely talked about talked about red, renters' rights, but we won way more votes, including with people who rented, with talking about free childcare or dental into Medicare or taxing big mining corporations. But it's interesting that that politics also appealed to a large group of disenfranchised, you know, like anti-political, like both ex-Labor and Liberal voters who had felt alienated and um, untethered by the neoliberal turn in the 90s, but felt there was no political project to relate to until we came along and basically started articulating really like a moderate form of social democracy if you look at it over like a long i think long one period. of the other things that
0: re- that i really noticed when i was like getting involved with the movement as well was how much we we're talking about overdevelopment in west end and that makes sense like you know the the 2008 crisis was really dealt with by making interest rates really really low and you could see like west end was just like completely being reshaped like in terms of the community itself and I think there was a a really strong sense of like a loss of control over the community and dislocation and I think we picked up on that a lot as well and I think it was our like it it, it is our our generation who don't we don't get get any of that payoff of um of rising house prices that probably like activated us
1: I, I think it's a really good point Declan I remember sitting down to like help write Jono's first letter to the electorate like the one we like and the first thing it said was, you have lost control. Like, it was very explicit. Like, you have, what was it? You have lost control or, like, we have lost control of our city. Mm. And um, it was exactly that. And it was interesting as well that, like, it was very much, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there who like to dismiss that as nimbyism. But, it had, like, the politics of it just weren't that. Like, it really was this sense of, like, being displaced, all of these luxury apartment towers going up that no one who was being displaced could afford to live in this sense of not controlling what happens in your city and this very localised, you know, based on that sort of right to the city analysis, that very localised, explicit example of no longer having any control over politics or, or ever having had it over it.
0: And getting this real sense that, like, someone's making out, like, like a bandit right now and it's sure as shit, not me.
1: Yeah, property developers, we you know, yeah, exactly, property and make developers making massive profits. I think increasingly these days, I think also, like, probably far more so banks as well like the the degree to which um that this analysis that basically banks in australia like bar maybe the u.s banks are the most capitalized in the housing market in like the developed world um
2: does like, it does do either of you remember that first gab award candidates forum when John O proposed i think it was a rent freeze or a rent cap or something and the labor candidate said oh But I don't think landlords would like that very much. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that? Yeah, I do
1: remember that. And then Jono said, is that literally the best you can do? And everyone laughed.
2: (laughs) But it was fully like, it it, just—it was a moment where you're like, you have never considered the politics of this. You just like, in in your world, it's like there's two sides, each have a sort of equal stake and an equal worth in the argument. And like, you can't try and, you know, put one side over the other because that's not fair. Landlords wouldn't like that very much. Just like the most dead shit centrist bullshit. It was awful.
0: (laughs) I remember from from election day, uh, the the most recent election day, um, a Labor volunteer who I vaguely knew from my time working in a union who and I was being like, well, like, we need, like, a right to strike, you know, and and, particularly, and she was like, what? Well, we have a right to strike. I was like, no, we don't. Like, you can't do all these different types. You can only strike in the bargaining period. You can't do solidarity strikes. And she's like, what What do you mean, solidarity strikes? And I was like, well, mm. look, if the nurses are going out, the teachers can't also go out. And she was like, well, that's just – that's not fair on the employer, though, is it? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I was like, well, like, if this is our Labor Party saying that, <laughs> yeah. like, you know – and I, I think the term – like, the words she used was why should my boss be punished if your boss is bad uh. or something – like like that and i was like well because they're a boss. like they're not
2: individuals (laughs) this is is a class of people (laughs) because
0: like because we have the same interests in terms of they not being bosses who control our lives like what are you talking about
1: or there couldn't be like a broader sense of a common like yeah like material like relation between a large group of working people who otherwise are shut out of politics without wielding that power collectively um yeah i mean it's the um and certainly you know it is it is interesting as well that um, you know that the breakdown in the social contract in Australia, like where home ownership was this safety valve, even when wages were depressed, because your asset value went up and, and you could borrow against it. And this when you like with the emergence of this much broader rent like group of people who are renters, um, like not having that as they as elements of that social contract start to get broken, like increasing this group of people who are willing to contemplate a more progressive or transformative politics, um, well, because and fight for it as well, right? Like get involved and organised around it. Yeah, well, and I think like
0: so much of this is just like, like the payoff of like the whole neoliberal thing. I've I've just been reading um, uh, Hegemony
1: Now for listeners. I'm holding it up, and Declan's looking at it with loving eyes. It's Hang very on. good. Stay I really there, I'll take like. A look, I really think you should read it. Here we go. We're taking a photo. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Two seconds. I'm taking a photo. It's very important. <laughs> Lovely.
2: To be right, listeners,
1: um, if you're a patreon subscriber well, you get to see that
2: photo. <laughs> uh, only if you're an OnlyFans subscriber <laughs> uh,
0: but, but so much of the like the kind of claim in this was um that people that neoliberalism and the kind of neoliberal reform from the 80s was never politically popular the majority of people always kind of disagreed with it mm. but they ac- 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 acceded to it or even voted for it at times because they got this payoff of um, like unprecedented levels of like consumption, um, private consumption, but because that private consumption was really based on the financialization of your house and being able to refinance regularly in order to you know pay for holidays and big TVs, that that's just something that a whole generation isn't getting that payoff anymore. And I think that's, like, a big part of, like, well, why would I why would I see to this system that I'm not even getting the payoffs for, like...
1: Big time. And, you know, Menzies, like, and as was uh, probably a lot of other in the US, like, Menzies almost explicitly said when he started, created, like, the conditions by which he created this entire new group of people who could buy a home was, like, um, yes, this will create long-term social stability. I think he said it explicitly, you know, because in World post-World War II... There were I, it's interesting to think about this. 50% of Australians were renters in 1945. Like, one in two people were renters in 1945. Uh, and like, um, it's interesting to me that this occurred in tandem with even, you know, like the politics of Menzies from an economic perspective being far more progressive than the modern Labor Party in many ways. Like, it's interesting the way the state and, 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 the, pol- and the political system in general had to relate to that the lack of that housing asset in a particular way. And it's starting to, this breakdown starting to happen um, again, uh, which is, you know, interesting. And then, and, like, you get the sense at a political level that people are starting to, like, the, all the media coverage and, like, people starting, even Pal- Premier, like, Palaszczuk, starting to talk about bad rent increases. Well,
0: even having a housing forum, you know, like an emergency convention centre.
2: Yeah, calling out Ray White West End. I mean, like, you know, really, really not good behaviour. Yeah. No, oh, well, anyway. Yeah,
1: it's, it is interesting. I mean... Um, in terms of where we go, and I Declan, I know you wanted to talk about that as well. The, like, I mean, certainly from my perspective, and as an during the Griffith campaign, is like there's two new layers that I feel like that our politics appeal to, and, and we need is a mortgage like people with mortgages, because you know, like interest with interest rates going up, and like the, um, I think what did you post in the like the the average mortgage repayment since the start of the year. Has gone up by something like yeah, by like one bit. or two thousand dollars a month, basically, um, if on like an average mortgage. And certainly at the moment, or was projected
0: to potentially.
2: Yeah, certainly at the that moment. It seems like so much.
1: Yeah. It, it, well, th- this is the interesting thing, and this is like, and certainly when we door knock people with mortgages, the um, like mortgage holders as well, like certainly dental into Medicare and that same expansive welfare state was appealing. What was interesting I found often was when spri- house prices are even skyrocketing. A lot of people with mortgages were like, this isn't necessarily great because um, they knew that A, often their kids were going to struggle to buy a home and get that financial security. But B, they couldn't get off the roller coaster because if you sell your home in the middle of the soaring house prices.
0: By the time you can rebuy again, yeah, like yeah. If, if you've waited six months, yeah, you're, you're fucked.
1: S- you're screwed. And the same thing that's happening now is that, like, even though house prices are starting to delay, deflate ever so slightly, with interest rates going up, there's all this new analysis showing that basically the average income you need in Brisbane, for instance, to buy a house and be able to service a mortgage on a median house price is now $168,000, basically to avoid financial stress. Um, and that is surely going to have, for A, for mortgage holders, because their repayments are gonna go up, but also, like for this whole new layer of people, like those people in their 30s and 40s and 50s who just have decided they're never going to be able to buy a house. Um, There's a woman got up in a housing forum and she was like, there is a wave coming. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, there is a wave of homeless women and men, in particular women with kids, coming over the next 10 years.
2: Yeah, I think you see it already. Like, I don't know, I've seen heaps more homeless people around um, where we live in Gabba, like under the bridges and... Um, your mum was saying the other day, Max, because they live in South Brisbane and, like, yeah, there's heaps more around that area around Karupa Bridge. Um, and actually she was saying it was interesting. She was like, they're just disconnected from society. Like, the example she used was traffic lights. That, like, they, when they walk into the city, they just don't bother with the traffic lights, just walk around traffic. Like, I don't know, it was, it was like an anecdote, but it was an interesting snapshot of how people are just dropping out of the system and then, you know, dropping out of the entire kind of social contract of living the way that people, most people do.
1: And definitely that, like, you get a lot of people anecdotally bringing up concerns about that. And then there's that broader layer of people who are still working or renting or maybe hold a mortgage or, like, you know, at, like, who are that next layer who are definitely still engaged but are increasingly, yeah, like, have been becoming, you know, like, searching around now and and actually is probably, like, certainly my experience at the town halls, there's a new layer of people starting to get engaged. Like, Declan, it was interesting to me that, um, these were people who got up and said things. Who My involvement in, in Queensland Greens, I've never had that, like, seen people, you know, people from no, that social background get up and say that, and that was the first time. Like, we, we talked about it a lot, and certainly maybe you occasionally would door knock it, but for them to be, I feel like it was, a, for me, it was significant that there was enough motivation to actually come along and participate. Mm. This one woman got up and said, I've, I've she said, I've never voted Greens. I'm um, so like because we talked about how we're in the balance potentially in the balance of pounds housing bill and she's like you've just got to tell me what to do uh, like you know what do I need to do do I need to go and like you know yell at someone do I need to go to this place do I need to go to a rally I just want to do what it needs to be done to like get my mama home mm. um and that was a like for me that was like a that was a big moment um and yeah, it,
0: that's, in, that's incredible. sounds that like one of your like, Doorknock
2: stories. Yeah. You're like, I don't like this person. who <laughs> was See, like, well, Max, Labour built neoliberalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th-
0: thankfully, there was a large group of people there, which, you know, <laughs> who can confirm <laughs> this. Yeah. I mean, I think we should get, like, continue to get into, like, like how to activate this space and what sort of demands and stuff they'll need. But some of the other things around, like, where our movement came from that I thought would be interesting and relates to this is, like, why the, why the Greens? Like, I think, you know... I grew up...
2: You mean why did we well, what, like, join why the did Greens? We, why did we join why the Why did Greens? we choose the Greens as the vehicle? Like,
0: why did we choose the Greens as a, as a vehicle? I mean, like, you know, I'd, I'd say most of us would have had ALP voting parents and, like, loyal ALP voting parents. Um, I definitely did. Um, the idea that, like, that you could be part of another party was kind of strange to me is like you know the son of like you know a teacher whose parents were teachers and the other side minors and stuff like this uh, like I think that that it cohered in the greens is actually kind of like interesting and like and, and why is this like this social movement that max is talk like this this social group that max is talking about is starting to be activated well other than the fact that we've been talking about housing why is why is the, why are the greens kind of capable of doing something in this this kind of like hole that the other parties are unable to what do you think I mean, like, like, I think climate change is, is why our generation would find the the Greens, like... Like, I think that's that's why yeah. we, we got onto the Greens. I mean, I think, like, the ALP also just has com- consistently fucked up um, and they lost a whole generation of, of young people because they aren't interested. I think a part of that is being tied to superannuation and being tied to finance in that way. Mm. Um, but I, I, think, I think there's more to it than that. I think it's... I think that because there's only so few people left in unions Mm. most unionized workers have got pretty good wages Mm. they tend to be like slightly older workforces and they tend to be like they tend to be on the housing ladder they tend to have like secure wages and things like this and it means that they like the the younger generations who've who've been in this really temporary work never join unions because why would you no one ever asks and
1: yeah it's i mean i I think that's a really interesting point like certainly i think I think part of it I think obviously climate change is this big thing that you know like certainly neither like certainly Labour just was incapable of sort of relating to for a long time. But for me why the Greens like I think the history of the formation of the Greens I think is interesting. Like it wasn't it was never it's it's emergence was never just an environmental party. Like obviously environment like environmental politics and the Franklin and all that um played a big part, but it was also like the, a large section of it were disillusioned. Um, like, there was a layer of disillusioned um, people who left Labor and came to the Greens post the Accord period. Like, I've spoken to them. Like, people who were, like, joined small things. There was all these emergence of these little left parties that all eventually coalesced around the Greens. And there was these cru- few crucial, like, defining points, you know, around Tampa and refugees where Bob Brown set up and, and got up and, like, a stake in the ground about like opposing the sort of like militarization of our borders and offshore detention and that you watch the greens vote like double in that period um and so i think the other part of it is that like the the greens as an institution and as a political party did represent like the i almost like this place this like quite you know this sort of this small institution that basically was where you went where you wanted to be involved or like wanted to take political action, but there was literally no other institution to go on the left side of politics in general, um, and the way the like the grassroots like and it sounds a bit corny, but I think it's true. Like the grassroots nature of the party meant that it is actually quite. It was it like a weather vane picked up on the emergence of this of this sort of like motivated renter class very quickly. Like that's interesting to think about. Like that its branch structure and the structure of the party meant that it was actually just you know despite all the barriers that political political parties in general like it did pick up and related to it very quickly if you think about it as a political institution well
2: that's the thing i mean i think the greens aren't just one thing like i think it's easier for members like joining or becoming involved in the party to remake the party however they want to really like we're thinking about you know why did we join the greens and not say the alp like cuz you know a bunch of us joined around 2016 2017 um and started to like push certain directions within the party and concentrated around some key elections in the south side and if we'd tried to do that in the labor party it just would never have happened like the I I don't know enough about the internal structures of the ALP to talk about this authoritatively, but I feel like, you know, their branch structure... Well, you just would have been crushed. Yeah, the factions, the union ties, the huge amount of internal party bureaucracy. Like, it's just... It's an immovable beast. And you kind of see how, like, there's smaller sort of civil society-based groupings within the party, like Lean um, and Labour for (laughs) Refugees and rainbow labor and like they're just completely powerless from my understanding like it it, it, there's no decision-making power invested in the grassroots there um whereas you know the greens like it's relatively open like it is um i'm trying to think of a way that doesn't make it sound like we just kind of took it (laughs) because that's not quite what happened but i think that is
1: what happened either
2: no, no but it's it was more open to yeah Kind of a transformation from the ground up um if there were you know enthusiastic young people who wanted to do something with the party um then it was possible um and in that way like you know we sort of i think introduced some of those politics more explicitly than had been before um certainly in terms of talking maybe less about climate change and more about material things but i think we've spoken about that on the podcast before our listeners probably are familiar
0: yeah, I think that says something really interesting about like why Queensland as well. Because mm-hmm. if what you're saying about Max was saying about the the rental crisis and stuff like that, you'd probably expect it to emerge in Sydney or Melbourne, mm. but like, probably particularly Sydney where the housing crisis has been strongest. Yes. Um. But, but look, the reason not the ALP is because it's got this this huge professional like professional class, and I think the reason that it could emerge in Queensland is that we didn't we don't have a state upper house in Queensland, mm-hmm. and so it meant that the the kind of like professional class of the Greens that exists in New South Wales or, or Victoria, because they have these state up state upper houses, where you do get this level of staffers and this level of like kind of professional politicians, who who just have a little bit more control over the party that that means that they become a, a little bit separated from you know from the renter class basically and from from you know the the material kind of like happenings in society that it it is kind of harder to absorb and then direct the party against this other structure whereas because queensland has no state upper house well we didn't like we didn't have anything and also to actually win anything we didn't have to win a percentage of the vote over the state we actually had to win a whole seat which Mm -hmm. meant that we had to pursue a particular
2: like a particular
0: a a particular organizational form and a particular type of mass politics that that they've never had to really pursue when you're aiming for a percentage
1: I think that that our first seats that we had to win were, apart from obviously Larissa Waters um, in the Senate uh, at a federal level, um, that our first, like that any growth beyond that had to be won in the lower house organisationally was crucial because the other thing I think is that our gear towards door knocking and that direct did change our politics as well. Oh, like yeah, fundamentally, like you know, oh, door knocking yeah. completely
0: reshaped how I like understand 100%. the world.
1: Yeah, yeah and um, that once it started occurring at in an institutional basis, did institutionally change our politics as well, and meant it was far more became more and more focused and attuned on the things that actually people, you know, like wanted. The us disengage to Disengaged
0: people on. brought up, and yeah. I think that, like, and I think that that's when when you've got this kind of like when you will get in on ten percent of the vote if all you talk about is climate change, then you you get these people who, like, the professional kind of party staffers, um, you know, office staff and, and, and politicians as well, and they only really engage with with engaged people in their electorates who are willing to go and talk to their MPs. And so you don't talk to that 80% of people who, ne- like, would never talk to an MP in, in their life, and, why, like, why would they? And that being attuned to those people, because we actually had to win, you know, you know, the majority of people to get someone, to get a win on the board, is part of why we actually developed the way we did.
1: Yeah, it's interesting as well. Like, again, I, and it's, like, it sounds like political rhetoric or spin, but it really... It's funny, actually, that um, uh, it was... There was moments during the campaign, actually, where, like, in debates or, like, I remember that occasionally wherever, like, if, like, um, uh, other politicians were there, um, <laughs> like, you... Like, it always felt like just a natural advantage being being in those situations after having door knocked for that long because... Yeah, you're right, Declan, like you did, you just, you knew what actually the broad range of people cared and wanted you to fight on. Mm. And often, as we've talked about before, it does just break the logic of what the media and political class think matters to people. Like, it is amazing to me how it is a different reality. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, how different it is. And so much, I feel, of the, like, ideological work of the media Um, and general, like, political establishment is to try and force as many people as possible and subsume them within their logic and, and, like, take them away from, I actually think, a lot of their good instincts about distrust in politics and, you know, wanting to focus on one or two things. And, you know, and I think one of the things that happens when they do get subsumed in that politics is that, we talked about it before, that lowering of expectations, like well, you have to be careful and think about this and, like, oh, what about this costing? And, like, you know, um, oh, but what about the machinations in parliament? You have to, like, oh, if, you know, we go too far on this, then we'll alienate, you know, this group of people in the media, blah, blah, blah. Or like, Murdoch will attack us too much. And it's, like, for most people, I don't give a shit about that. But but it, it, is, it is interesting to me that um, how tapping into that and even being able to, like, understand and articulate that politics does just put you also just at a huge advantage.
2: And also in terms of, like, our volunteers of, like, you know, what to get bogged down in or what not to get bogged down in. Like, I don't know, I've lost track of the number of dumb media stories that really, like, you know, caused a a stir among the media and political class. And the one that comes to mind is, like, the citizenship stuff, the Section 44 stuff in... That must have been 2017-ish. Yeah, it was 2017. um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the rest of waters had to resign and she was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. This was all in the news for like a couple of weeks. And then I remember going out door knocking that weekend and being like, hmm, I wonder whether this is going to be a thing. And not one single person mentioned it. You're like, OK, cool. Proceed as normal.
1: Yeah. It's um, I think the big question is in terms of where to from here, like obviously we've talked a lot about the community organizing and that direct material support and things like that. Um, we talked about in the Wingcast um, at length and certainly we're trying to do that in the out of the Griffith office at the moment. But the other big question I think is, given that we relate, like we don't know, we meet all these people who are feeling very demoralised and powerless and there's low expectations about politics and fair enough and the sense of like no collective institutions to it, it's like where do we, how do we take the next step to try and get people more mobilised, you know, beyond this very committed, we had a thousand volunteers on the Griffith campaign for instance, but that's still a relatively small group of people compared to the mass base that we're trying to organize and mobilize yeah well there's
0: 25 million people in australia right yeah, like yeah, it's we got,
2: <laughs> yeah, got to buy a pub
0: yeah we got to buy a pub yeah
2: that's step one
0: <laughs> step one buy a pub i mean there's like there's lots of things that like we move we need like well, we, we we do need a media apparatus at some point like the 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 quality of media in australia is really really low and we need some sort of like, platform yes. to articulate, like, a, a more interesting politics through.
2: But yeah. I think also, like, I mean, we talked about this a bit on the Wincast as well, like, the extending politics out of politics in a way, like, into more everyday life things like a community garden, mm. um, you know, a lot that, that's like, gives people kind of an outlet for, I think, something that most people want to do, which is to collectivise with other people and to improve... Their lives and other people's lives, and to like, you know, just go ahead and do something without getting council permission. But it also it it you know gives yeah it's doing politics without you know like I think door knocking and and so on. Although we've reached a whole lot of people, a thousand volunteers is huge. Like, you can't. the The aim is to expand beyond that, right? Like, you don't want your your base to be a base of campaigners necessarily
1: no you need you're
2: base of normal people
1: broader social organization and the, yeah. you know the free breakfast programs and like we're excitingly we will be running a free breakfast program in a school before the end of the year mm. um which i'm very excited about one th- we've been grappling with it in another way as well because um it looks like we i think i've mentioned before we like labor are trying to move their like housing australia future fund bill which is like their bill to build thirty thousand social and affordable homes over five years which is like a sort of sick joke and how much of a drop in the ocean it is but um uh, we we might end up being in the balance of power on it and um we want to build a big campaign around it like around these key demands around like you know um like forcing labor to agree to like a rent freeze as part of new national tenancy standards and like a mass build of public housing as well as um actually like a huge bucket of money uh for maintenance for existing public housing. The conscious thing there, partly because that needs to happen, but also like um because wanting to make sure that public housing tenants as well, like a relatively small group of the population, but I think an important one, feel some stake, you know, like that actually there's people there that they can fight for themselves and like and there's a but one of the things we've been wondering about is like how do you like how what are the ways that you mobilize people around that fight like because this could end up being a big parliamentary fight coming up before probably early in the end early next year but what are the things like we're thinking about door knocking public housing like you know standard stuff around a petition like door knocking lots of like high high housing stress areas and letting them know what we're doing and like but like it is it is a functionally interesting thing to think about you know how do you take that next step to mobilizing people around a particular particular demands beyond voting i suppose and beyond say running a free breakfast or coming and getting that direct community aid which is obviously really important but there's that i feel like there's then that next step as well
0: yeah well and i think like that's what door knocking and what like electoral campaigning does is gives you when people vote for you you get a bit of a sense of how much cut through you've got how much support you've got but it's a very different thing to then like put your finger on the scale somewhere and actually Mm -hmm. affect an outcome yes Mm -hmm. you you know um. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah any ideas (laughs)
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, I, the left keeps talking about a general strike Have we oh, tried yeah. that?
2: <laughs>
1: Maybe
2: we can just organise a rent strike Across Griffith I've got to say
1: I remember when I was like First year out of First couple of years in uni Being convinced Just like Why do we not simply General strike? Yeah um, You know you got to go through that phase You, you simply yeah.
0: have to believe In a general strike For quite a few years Before you can be like Oh I don't think we could organise that
1: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I think one um one of the things you know I feel like I'm obviously always very sceptical of rallies but I feel like rallies are another way of testing how much like it's a test of strength Mm -hmm. you know that Jane McAlevey like you know like it's one of those ways to test how big your organisation's got as well around a particular like fight or like as you said your way of describing it like tipping like putting your finger on the scales and actually affecting an outcome um but, you know, I feel like they're only useful once you've done a lot of large social organisation in the background. Yeah,
2: um. Rallies are also, yeah, I don't know, rallies are interesting as well because I think like people like us, seasoned rally goers, kind of fucking hate rallies, honestly. Like, I find them depressing. I never go to a rally if I can help it. Um, but for people who haven't been to a rally before, if it goes well, it's like really energising. Thinking, thinking about the flight noise people in Bulimba, like most of whom I think had never been to a rally before, flight noise rally, and they had a great time. This week I we, understand.
1: this week um, we had like helped organise a rally at the front of East Brisbane State School to like mm. protect it from the Olympics, and there was all these parents there, who there was it was really energising. Like you felt this sense of collective power briefly.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, and I guess like that's why I don't like going to rallies, is I like I don't. I don't often feel bad is because yes. so many of the rallies that I've been to over the years have had, you know, 40 or 50 people and you oh, don't yeah. get a sense of power. You get a sense of atomization. Really. And weakness.
1: Big and, yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And that was certainly our, you know, part of our, I feel like the move, the emergence of our political movement in 2015 and 16 was a a group of people who had had got sick of going to rallies and felt feeling powerless and Mm -hmm. were like, maybe we should try something else. And you know
2: what's great about door knocking and getting involved with the Greens is you never have to feel guilty about not going to a rally. (laughs) I'm talking from personal experience here. (laughs) Um, You should go to rallies if you like. But uh, for me, I'm just like, yep, no, I'm done with that that phase. And... uh, I feel like what I'm, you know, doing on the ground is more meaningful. But that's,
0: a yeah, know, segue. Yeah. I mean, I go to a rally occasionally. Like, I think the last rally I felt genuinely energised by was the the big school strike for climate. Same, oh, actually.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good um, one. And I,
0: like, I'm really excited about that long term. I think that um, getting, teacher, getting kids to start putting pressure on the teachers, like the teachers' union to also go out mm. on strike on that day would be, like... Would would be able to put like quite a lot of pressure at the at the whole of society level.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. It's um. I remember Phil Monsour saying that like because we held that eighteen year plan for Green's government, and he was like, you know, he's like, well, what happens if we could organise within the QTU to get them to go out on strike around this? Yeah, and that would be like we're going to shut down the state until you take meaningful action on climate change. Um, which you know, like, um, that you know, like Phil Monsour's point around that was like that, like you need to start thinking about how you wield social power as well beyond political power and i 110 you know like yeah, well, i agree to that extent that yeah. you do need to work out how to wield social power in that way
0: yeah i mean teachers are like a really important node in that and we've definitely really seen teachers be one of the the social groups that have been really easy to engage with around our politics um
1: massively yeah again and i think there's that overlap like, because we talk about renters but yeah i think it is a broader layer of like you know like public sector workers as well who might own their homes or have a mortgage but feel, like, economically um, insecure. Yeah, certainly. Like, And that little teachers forum we ran during the campaign, like, that was interesting because it was, like, a social group of teachers who were um, quite engaged with our politics, both at an organisational and at a voter level.
0: And I think, like, teachers wield a huge amount of social power, firstly just as, as a node in the system where if mm. they if they go on strike, a lot of other people have to stay home to engage in care work. Um but I think secondly, as well, in the they, you know, they they teach they teach people how the world works, and I think the teachers' union taking a a stance on exactly what sort of syllabus that they want to teach um, and what sort of political education that they want to develop in themselves and it, therefore in students is one of these ways of of building power over like over generations and 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 cha- kind of changing. The you know the terrain in which the next kind of crisis happens.
1: Com- yeah, completely agree. Yeah. What you
0: were saying about atomization, I thought, um, and like like moving into these next steps of like no lo- not door knocking, I thought was really interesting mm. about like you know building social connections around like the community garden or something mm. because door knocking is really effective in the context of atomization, but mm. you're right, it, it it isn't enough to build a base.
1: Well, that's it, Declan. I, that's where I'm starting to grab like, and I think yeah, like I remember right at the start of the Griffith campaign, proposing the like starting the community arm of the campaign with a bit of an eye to that. And I think also just an understanding that there's some, ultimately there's going to be limitations on a, like just door knocking because um, it like, it it you know, it partly works because people feel very disconnected and alienated, but it doesn't necessarily solve all
2: of that. It relates to that and understands that, but it doesn't necessarily change it. Um, and it also gives like for the person being door knocked, like for the door knockees, I think it's a great tool and to like build their political consciousness and like grow the movement. But the person being door knocked, like the best case scenario outcome is that they then vote for the Greens and that's it.
1: Well, and this is where I think there was a window, and certainly what we're going to experiment with out of the Griffith office is like, um, I remember when we planned the community garden to Goulah Park, and that was a that it felt like a political, quite a transformative moment. It's like. 80 to 100 people of locals, like public housing tenants and some wealthier residents all coming together to basically plant this garden against the demands and the request of council, even a council officer being there and then being like, we're going to do it anyway. And that was partly built through door knocking. Like we door knocked in the local area to let people know to come along. And we so we reached out and broke through that alienation and then, dra- you know, like pulled them into, people this, in, yeah. into this thing. And um, what I'm trying to experiment with here is like, For instance, if we do run a breakfast program, like a free... We're going to, I think, going into next year, going to run trials running some free food programs in local parks in some parts of the electorate where there aren't already, like, charities running. Like, do we door knock around the local area and just go and say, hey, like, just letting you know that there's going to be this, like, um, free meal, refill fee... Free food program. Feel real meal. <laughs> I don't know why I'm struggling to say that so much. My brain's to It's a out feel of... real meal. <laughs> Would you like to feel real eating a meal? <laughs> you know, but like I'd like to come and personally that's invite a, you. That's and, the episode
2: title. <laughs> and
1: and I, I feel like that's an interesting confluence of that. You know, of the of those two tactics and organizational building, um, and. Um, I suppose there's that, so there's a, for me it's like there's a community organising, there's a door knocking and the community organising is crucial because it helps us shift towards becoming a social party. The door knocking is important because it allows us to break through that alienation and deliver our politics and actually also ha- learn things about the world and and change our own politics and bring us all closer together. But I feel like there's a missing third component, which is partly that social, broader social power beyond being able to you know, um, wield it in a way that like, forces political changes without necessarily having the numbers in parliament putting your finger on the on
2: the scale
0: yeah and look the like the traditional left thing to say is like we need militant unionism but i like i really also don't see militant unionism emerging in australia over the next like, while the ACTU and ALP have such...
1: like well, the Labor Party controls certain sort of sections well, of the Labor movement. Mm. And,
0: and and while the Labor movement's so weak, right, as well. Like, you know, we've got 13% of union members, like, of the country union members. I would say of that 13%, very, very few have any experience of collectivity, like, there's, within the union.
1: There's been a mild uptick in industrial action. Like, very mild. But actually, and it's been overstated online. Like, if you look at the numbers, like, days lost to industrial action and things like that, it's it's, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, still below, like, 2010 levels. Like, um, so yeah, no, exactly, Declan. And, um, you know, maybe there's, it's going to emerge, and maybe we need to do some work to help organising in those spaces to help build that along. But I feel like, for instance, around housing, like, in Europe, certainly the, um, a lot of the wins made on housing were done by a labour movement that was not, institutionally captured by a conservative labor party and had those broader social demands around housing for workers but it was also via like tenants organizing and this broader social social movements that were organized outside of traditional trade unions as well
2: so like a tenants union of some sort. almost like <laughs> a
1: tenants union <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah
2: um
1: but maybe we should wrap up
2: yeah i think that's about it that was a good cast good catch up hmm We'll uh, probably any, be back. Yeah, in another five months or even before.
1: <laughs> nice to see you, everyone. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks Catch for you your ongoing Patreon contribution.
2: <laughs> thanks um, to all 12 of the current Patreon contributors. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and if
1: you want to see that photo um, with the secret signs that Declan and I are making, you have to subscribe to our Patreon. Send
2: $60 to Patreon to see photo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll post feed at some point. Yeah, post feed, <laughs> sweetie. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye. <laughs>